0: Uh, so we're looking at Exodus 5 today. I titled it, at least at the beginning, I titled it "Not According to Plan." Uh, we need to back up just a little bit. Uh, Sparky asked me to um, go back to that uh, uh, odd one right at the uh, right at the end, uh, uh, where uh, Moses and Zipporah and the circumcision and all that. And Sparky came up and said. I spent all that time on the details, and I forgot to get to the main point. So uh, please point out the main point. Um, so if you remember the, the, the passage, uh, was uh, began in Exodus 4.24. At a lodging place on the way you know, down to Egypt, they, uh, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. When Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So let him be alone. Let so let him, so he let him alone. The Lord let Moses alone, and it was then that she said, "A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision," and uh, and so again, as Sparky said, it's it's a very short story with not a lot of details, and some commentators think that. That both Moses and his son were circumcised here. Some think it was just the son, some think it was just Moses. They're all over the place. But the main point is uh, is the sign, the sign of circumcision. God had said to Abraham when he gave him the promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars, in the middle of that promise, in, in both in Genesis 12 and 15, in the middle of that promise, he says, now. I'm giving you all this land, and your descendants are going to be numerous as the stars. But first, they're going to go down to Egypt for 400 years and suffer, and then I'm going to deliver them out by my great hand and give them this, this land. And he said, and the sign that you will have to know that my promise is sure is circumcision. So now Moses is about to go into the land to fulfill God's promise without the sign. Whether it's just him, I mean, whether it's just his son or it's him and his son. But either way, he's going down into the land to fulfill the, the promise without the sign. And, uh, and, uh, and God is saying, you know, no, <laughs> you can't have the promise without the sign. You have to have uh, the sign. And so Sapporah being the daughter of a priest of Midian, again, a descendant of Abraham, although just not through... Um, not through, uh, Israel, a descendant of Abraham through Ketorah, his, uh, second wife after Sarah had passed away. Um, she knew about circumcision. It had been passed down through her line as well. Uh, and, uh, and so she realized what was going on, uh, and she got the deed done is the basic bottom line. And they went into the land with the sign of the promise, uh, to fulfill God's promise. Um, So then uh, picking up uh, today, I'm going to pick up at 429 and come forward. Any questions about that? Other than going back to the details, which I'm not going to be able to answer? Okay. Uh, Picking up then with Exodus 429, and I'm going to read all the way through to the end of 5.1, and then we'll come back and go over the details. So then Moses said to Aaron. I mean, I'm sorry. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that they had that He had seen their affliction, they bowed uh, their heads and worshipped. Now afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, "Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go." that they may hold a feast uh, to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The Lord, uh, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword." But the king of Egypt said to them Moses and Aaron why do you take the people away from their work get back to your burdens I'm sorry I was reading ahead of you And Pharaoh said behold the people of the land are now many and you make them uh, rest from their burdens The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen you shall go no longer you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they uh, made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on them, that they may labor at it and pay no attention to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will give I will not give you straw go and get your straw yourselves whether you wherever you can find it but your work will not be reduced in the least so the people are sacrificed throughout all so the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw the taskmasters were urgent saying complete your work your daily task each day as when there was straw and the foreman of the people of Israel whom pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them we're beaten, and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten. But the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now, Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. And they met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord, look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Now, this uh, section from 429 uh, down to what we just finished here in 521, uh, uh, it, ha- it has a chiastic structure. Um, Sparky's mentioned this uh, earlier that the uh, Hebrews often uh, did this uh, in the thing in their literature where they would make a point, make a second point, make a third point, maybe in a fourth and a fifth, and then go backwards through the points, four, three, two, one. And the important uh, aspects were the outer edge and the center point. Uh, and you were, to, you were to see that in the, the stress of the passage could be seen uh, in the structure. And this one has that very structure. So in the beginning, 429 through 31, Moses and Aaron are accepted by the people. They come and they make their pronouncement that the Lord is seen and he's, he's going to come and deliver them, and they are accepted by the people. Then he goes in and makes a fruitless appeal to Pharaoh in at the beginning of chapter 5. Then we have new and a harsher regime uh, levied on the people in five in through six through fourteen. Uh, and that that point. Itself is a chiasm. That point C has a chiastic structure in it, where you have these oppressive conditions with an aim to distract the people from the word of God, then followed. So that would be making bricks without straw. And then Mo, and, uh, um, Pharaoh says, I do this so that they will not listen to lying words, you distract them from the people, the word of God. And then in 10 through 14, you have the physical affliction on the um, the overseers of the Israelites. And then you have the overseers that should not say pharagog, sorry. Uh, that's not a, a, a odd spelling for Pharaoh, even though he, that might actually be a good word to call him a pharagog. Um, uh, then the, the taskmaster, the, the overseers, the Israelite slave overseers come in, and they make a fruitless appeal to Pharaoh, just like Moses and Aaron at the top. And then at the end, Moses and Aaron are rejected by Israel. So it starts with Moses and Aaron accepted uh, by uh, Israel and then ends with Moses and Aaron being rejected by Israel with this center point being that Pharaoh is trying to distract the people from the word of God. God has come and said to his people, and his people listened and rejoiced, and then Pharaoh goes about his work trying to distract the people from the Word of God, and he's successful. They go from the beginning where they accept the word to the end where they reject uh, Moses and Israel. I mean Moses and Aaron um, and you know when you you think about that uh, that does that not remind you of the Garden of Eden right that that the, Satan comes in and says, well, has God really said, right? Distracting them, changing, warping the words, uh, just enough to get uh, Adam and Eve to reject. And so we're to see here the Pharaoh is playing the role of the serpent in this narrative. And, uh, uh, and, you know, Sparky was pointing out that, you know, even the headdresses of the Egyptian kings, of the Egyptian pharaohs, have serpents on them. And uh, so we're definitely supposed to see here um, that uh, that um, that Pharaoh uh, is the is the antichrist. He's the anti god. He's the he's the serpent. He's the Satan of uh, the story. And so uh, what we see is that he's not just opposing God's people. We're going to see this throughout all the rest of the narrative he's not just opposing god's people he's opposing god you know uh, the serpent wasn't in the garden just to take adam and eve down the serpent was there to strike out at god he wanted god's servant to fail because he hated god and uh, the same here pharaoh we're, what we're setting up in in exodus in these first chapters of exodus is not a confrontation between pharaoh and moses or a confrontation between pharaoh and israel what we're setting up is a confrontation between pharaoh and god between pharaoh and yahweh uh, and so we see it even here and as i said this is uh i put this you know not according to plan as the title because this is not how aaron and moses thought this was going to go the first part they liked. the first part the israelites listened right uh uh um, Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of Israel, and Aaron spoke uh, all the words of Yahweh had spoken to Moses. I mean, Aaron spoke all the words that Yahweh had spoken to Moses and did the signs and the sight of the people. And the people believed, and they heard the word of the Lord, that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, and they bowed down and worshiped. This is the right answer. God comes, and he says, and the people worship. That is always the, the way it is supposed to go. God speaks, we worship. Uh, and so finally, Moses is getting the reaction that he expected to get 40 years earlier, right? So when he, when he, uh, he killed the Egyptian for beating the Israelite 40 years ago uh, and then came in and tried to separate the two Israelites from fighting, he's expecting this reaction. He's expecting the people to go, oh, finally, our Savior, Uh, That is not the reaction he got that time, but it is the reaction that he got this time. So finally, Moses has received the reaction that he was expecting, uh, and the people did what they are supposed to do. They respond in worship. Uh, As I said, this should be exactly our response. And this is what God told Moses would happen this time. So it is going, uh, up to this point, is going as planned, because back in chapter uh, 3, God had told Moses... <clears throat> to go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac, of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and have, uh, and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice. Okay, chapter 5, they do, they listen to his voice. And you and the elders shall go to the king of Egypt and say, Yahweh, the God of, Egypt, of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. <clears throat> now notice what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to go, Moses was supposed to go with the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and say, Yahweh, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to God. That was the instruction given to Moses while he's still up in Midian before he comes down and meets with the Israelites. So 318b, you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Yahweh, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Exodus 5.1, afterward, after the people had bowed down and worshiped, Immediately afterward Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh thus says Yahweh the God of Israel let my people go that we may hold a feast that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness and again my typos that shouldn't be ta that's just a feast uh, do you see any differences here they didn't go with the elders that's one anything else yeah they le- they completely left off the, how, that it was a, a temporary journey. They just went and said, let my people go. All right? There's one more. What? Feast and, Feast and I'm not sure that is all that significant, but it, it might be. It says thus says Yahweh, right? They were supposed to say, Yahweh our God has met with us. Now please let us go three days. That's a little different than thus says Yahweh, Right? Moses and Aaron had kind of gotten pumped up by the reaction that they got uh, from the Israelites. And they kind of went in with a different message than the one that they were uh, given. And so it's not surprising then that we get the response from Pharaoh. Well, who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Now, you, you think about that those, the two different approaches, the one that God had given to Moses and the one that Moses did. You know, our God has met with us. You know, our God has met with us. And this has been a profound experience for the people of Israel. Please, they use the word please. Please let us go into the wilderness for three days, a three-day journey into the wilderness. This, who knows, it might have been a week or two turnaround. It's a three-day journey into the wilderness. So let's go three days into the wilderness where we can properly sacrifice to our God and honor him. Uh, uh, that, that's our request. That probably gets a very different reaction than, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. It, it certainly would with, with us, right? And, um, and so uh, Pharaoh responds, Yeah, no. Uh, And then, uh, so then Moses is is like, okay, now wait a minute. That didn't go as I expected, right? Let me try this again. So he goes, well, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Okay, now we're back on track, right? The God of Hebrews has met with us. Let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. Okay, that's good. We're back on track. Except he adds, lest he fall upon us, I'm uh, sorry. Just a second. Yeah, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Now, the most natural reading of this is the us here is Israel, right? Lest he fall on us with pestilence. Let us go. You know, God's met with us. Let us go. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence. That was never mentioned. You know, the whole process gets repeated several times in the first four chapters. Pestilence falling. Uh, the fall, falling of pestilence uh, and sword upon the Israelites is, is never mentioned. Uh, now, it's not 100% clear here that Moses is simply talking about the Israelites. In using the generic us there, he could be saying us, you Egyptians and us Israelites. So it could be, it, he's, either, he's either embellishing the words of God here, or he's doing an, an implied threat, right? And as if saying, God's going to visit, you know, he's backing off and saying, God's going to visit uh, judgment with pestilence and sword upon the Israelites. I mean, upon you Egyptians. He's doing a veiled threat. You know, if you don't let us go, pestilence and sword may come on us, right? You and me, you and me, Pharaoh, you Egyptians and us Israelites. Um... Uh, and so, the uh, either way, it's, it's again, he's, he's not gone according... Moses has not gone according to what God had given him. So, you know, Moses is learning. He's growing. He's not the man he was 40 years ago, but he's not the man he ought to be yet, either. He's going to continue to grow for the next uh, 40 years. And, uh, and this is, I think, part of it. Um, and so... The king, the the king of Egypt, then said to them, Pharaoh says, "Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens." Uh, later on, um, it will actually use the word "rest," and so God has has given a word to the Israelites that they that they can rest from their burden, that they can. Uh, Uh, Go into the wilderness now and worship him and rest from their burden. And so that's the command. The the command has been given to the Israelites. You know, we think of the command given to Pharaoh, let my people go. But there's really a command given to the Israelites. Go into the wilderness and rest. Go worship. And uh, so often we, we don't realize, you know, we think of work and rest means, you know, my six-day-a-week job, and rest means nap. But rest really has this idea in it of, of glorying in God, to cease from the labors of the world and glory in God. When, when God rested from his work on the seventh day, he didn't take a nap. He sat down on his throne and received the glory that he had received from his, that he had, he received the glory from creation that he had done in his six days of work. And so, uh, so, in essence, God has told uh, Moses to tell the people to cease from their labors and go into the wilderness and rest to worship. And Pharaoh says, why are you taking them away from their work? So Pharaoh wants them to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, right? And God is coming and saying, I give you rest. I will give you rest. And so... Uh, the, we have What we have here is two different gods. We have the true and living God, Yahweh, who offers rest at the end of work. And we have the false God who says, no, work. Work, work, work. Sin, Satan, Pharaoh, they are all a terrible taskmaster. They give no rest but only work. So then moving on, Pharaoh says, behold, the people of the land, Uh, are now many, and you make them rest. Here we are. You make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past, but you will let them go, and you will make them go and gather the straw. But the number of the bricks, that'll be the same, because they're idle, they're lazy, and they're crying out, let us go sacrifice. So not only does God counter, I mean, not only does Pharaoh counter God's command, God says, "Let them go rest. Go take a rest from their burdens." Not only does He counter their man, say, "No rest. Keep working." He says, "Work harder." So He He is you know it, it's one thing to deny the word of God. It's it's another to say no, you know this. Is, so now we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. We're with Lamech in chapter five, four, five of Genesis, where. God had, had said that if someone kills Cain, I will avenge him seven times. And then Lamech sets himself up as the, the king, uh, the, the antichrist, and says, if God will avenge Cain seven times, I will avenge myself 77 times. I'm greater than God. And, and so Pharaoh's doing the same thing here. or that, It's the way Moses wants, to, wants us to understand what's going on. Pharaoh is saying, no, you think God wants you to rest? You're going to work harder that 's that so Pharaoh is setting himself up not just as someone who denies God but wants to claim the powers of God uh, to himself and then um, but at the same time, the king suddenly sees this Pharaoh suddenly sees what the former pharaoh saw, how the people had become many you know his i guess his father most likely uh, was the one who had um, uh, you know, tried his various ways to keep the Israelites from expanding, you know, first with the midwives and then with the throwing the women into the, the baby, the baby boys uh, into the Nile. Um, <clears throat> this Pharaoh doesn't seem to have any of those policies, but uh, suddenly realizes, oh, there are a lot of these people. Uh, it is fascinating when you read uh, history and history of uh, cultures who uh, enslaved others, which is most cultures. Um, that uh, how much fear there is of slave revolt. There's just a constant worry uh, and, and a choosing of different laws and different things to do to try to prevent the, the, you know, the concept of slave revolt from expanding. And uh, particularly in cultures where the uh, slaves begin to outnumber the slaveholders as, to- as a total population. Uh, it just becomes a massive concern that that dominates uh, politics and cultural life, and uh, and so <clears throat> uh, what the earlier pharaoh did and what this pharaoh is thinking uh, are um, are not unusual uh, at all. Uh, this is a real concern, and it's always a concern for slaveholding cultures. What if this massive group of people decide? Uh, to rebel. <clears throat> and that's what Pharaoh's hearing in this message. Uh, he's hearing that these slaves want to set their own agenda, and I need to make sure that we don't have a slave uprising. So the best way to do that is just to keep them so busy that they don't have time to talk to the leader of this uprising, Moses, or to listen to his words. I need to make him a stench in their eyes make things worse rather than better because he's here, and I need to scatter them all over Egypt so that they can't collect in one place and, and instigate a, a rebellion. So he scatters them all over Egypt uh, looking for uh, straw so that they will pay no attention to those lying words of, of Moses. Um, yeah, pay no attention to those lying words. Um, and the question then comes... This is, you know, this is that point in the Chiasm. This is that point in the Chiasm, and God is asking the people of Israel, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow me or are you going to follow Pharaoh? And, uh, uh, and the, cu- the same question comes to us. Are we going to listen to the words of God or are we going to listen to the words of Satan? Are we going to listen to the words of God or are we going to listen to the words of sin? Satan will always tell us that the words of God are lying words. Um, and uh, and that's the, you know, kind of the core. Of the, and then we watch it roll back in the other direction. Uh, so the taskmasters and the f- uh, foreman of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh. Thus says Pharaoh. Don't miss that. It's the exact same phrase that Moses used to Pharaoh. Moses said, Thus saith Yahweh. And the response was, Thus saith Pharaoh. Uh, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your own straw uh, wherever you can find it. Uh, and uh, But you'll still need to make the same uh, number of bricks. And so, uh, and then, this is kind of interesting. The taskmasters then um, were beaten, All right? So you've got Pharaoh, and then you've got the Egyptian kind of overseers, and then you've got the uh, Israelite overseers, and then you've got the rest of the Israelites. And so when, um, when they don't bring in enough bricks, the, is- the Egyptian overseers beat the Israelite overseers, you know the guys who are in charge of the tens and the hundreds and are supposed to be making sure the people are doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, which is not what the taskmasters are used to. What the Israelite taskmasters are used to usually that's a privileged position, uh, and it's the lower ones that get get beaten in any kind of situation like this, uh, and and often it, in in slave cultures it would be, it could very well be the 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 overseeing slave beating the under underling slave, but here we have the Egyptians beating the overseer slaves, which they uh, they they clearly do not like, um. Uh. And and so we what we see is things have gone from bad uh, to worse, and uh, and things often are like that in the Christian life, in uh, in the in the world around us. Um, I, I couldn't help but think of John the Baptist when I was, you know, reading through this section. So, John the Baptist has this moment, like Moses. Uh, uh, you know, Moses has his moment when he goes and he tells the words to the people of Israel, and they're all like, "Yay!" and they fall down and they worship, and they're all excited. John the Baptist has this moment when he baptizes Jesus and sees the Spirit uh, descending uh, upon him. Uh, like a dove and then a few weeks later john the baptist finds himself in jail and he sends that message to jesus and his disciples are you really the one to come or should we expect another uh he, he things had gotten worse he expected john the baptist expected now that the christ has come everything's just going to get better and better and uh uh and you know getting better and better didn't include him being in jail and so in the same way here The Israelites are like, yay, God's come. God's seen us. He's heard our cries. He realizes we're oppressed. He's promising to take us out. Things are just going to get better and better from here, but they get worse. Uh, And uh, that was not according to their plan. Uh, And so the taskmasters go in, and they go to Pharaoh uh, and, and, uh, and say, I'm sorry, So then, the form of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh. So the the, the heads of the, you know these these uh, uh, Israeli leaders, slave leaders, they come and they, why do you treat us like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten. But the fault is with your own people. Uh, uh, and Pharaoh responds, "You're idle, you're idol. Uh, That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to Yahweh." And so. He ignores what is really a reasonable request. How is this even possible for us to continue to make the same amount of bricks? He completely ignores the request and just goes right after Moses' words, right? He doesn't even mention the whole straw, bricks thing. Uh, he just says, you're lazy. Now, isn't that the way Satan and sin works, right? You're tempted by something. You're tempted by sin, by Satan, and you fall. And then Satan says, ha, see how bad you are. When that was the very thing he was trying to get you to do all along, right? And here's, here's, here's Pharaoh saying, giving them an impossible work task. And when they can't do it, saying, see, you're just lazy. Um, and, and how often do we not have those same sorts of situations in, in our own life? Um, so he sends them out. Go work, um, you know. Do, and so they 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 leave. The foremen all leave, and they are, they go out. There's Moses and Aaron waiting for them, and they say to him, say to the the taskmaster, say to Moses, Pharaoh, Yahweh, look at you and judge, because you have made us a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And have put a sword in their hand to kill us, um, and then um, the very next section, which for some reason I didn't put in my notes to put up here, um, Moses and you know goes out and says, "Lord, you know w- w- this is not what I had expected," um, and uh, um, and so. Moses and Aaron heard the parts of the word that they wanted to hear from God, but they missed the other parts. So uh, right before this section, immediately prior to the section we were looking at, where he's coming in the last, it's kind of almost the last thing that God says to Moses, is that the people are going to accept you, but uh, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, Moses kind of missed that whole hardening of Pharaoh's heart thing or didn't think about what the implications might be of Pharaoh having a hard heart, right? Well, these are the implications. This is what it looks like when Pharaoh has a hard heart. You get more work, not less work. You get work, not rest. You have Pharaoh claiming to be God uh, in, in, the, in the life of Israel. Uh, and, and so again, I ask, how often do we, is that not something that we do? Uh, uh, hear the parts of the word that uh, that we want to hear and the parts that we like, and then can kind of gloss over the parts that we don't want to hear and and don't don't like, and then uh, find implications <laughs> that come back and slap us in the face uh, because we're not really looking at the the whole counsel of of God. I had a, a former uh, boss who. Uh, just love Joel Olstein just thought Joel was the greatest thing ever and he would pass me uh, stuff to read by Joel Olstein all the time and of course you know your boss passes you an article you need to read it and i would read it and i would go you know you know th- that that's a little off right there that one point but overall you know what he's saying here is not that bad problem was he had, he was a one trick pony he 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 had the part that he liked, which is God's on your side. You're, you know, your best life now. There are a lot of promises in the Bible about how the Lord will took, take care of us, look after us, provide for us. Um, you know, I, I I have a little Puritan um, uh, daily devotional that Kathy and I go through, and there's been a number of them that could sound very Joel Osteen-like. You know, if God has supplied all that you need for your spiritual Uh, 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 salvation, why do you question that he wouldn't give you all the things you need for your physical life? Why do you fret? You know, go back to the New Testament. Why do you fret about what you'll eat or what you'll wear? The Lord knows you need these things. He gives them to the sparrows and to the flowers. He will give them to you. If that's your only message, it kind of sounds a little Joel Holstein. Uh, But there's a lot of passages in the Bible that says, you know, the Lord suffered and you're going to suffer with him. And if all you read is the Joel Osteen passages and never those other passages, when that suffering comes, it's like, where did this come from? Where's the Lord in all this? Why am I having to suffer? Um, and that's exactly what was happening uh, here to the Israelites. They were only hearing the parts that they wanted to hear from the Bible and not the parts that they didn't. What are the parts that the Israelites didn't want to hear? Yeah, well, what was significant about Pharaoh's heart hardening? Right. You know that you're going to bring this message and it's going to be and it's mostly Aaron and Moses. Um, You know, they were given a message that Pharaoh's heart would be hardened and that that they were going to be that they were going to bring these. Devastating things upon Egypt to bring them out. But all he heard, all they heard was. My people are going to get going to get let go. uh-huh but the Lord doesn't remind them of heart says, this is what I'm going to do right yeah this is the this is the plan but he repeats the plan. I mean it's not like he hasn't heard that Mary, Moses hasn't heard this before he's just he's he's uh you know um we we tend to collapse the end into the into the now right i know this is where it's going and so uh why isn't that happening right now and there's this process that gets us from here to there but when it doesn't when you know when the when the trajectory from here to here goes like this then there's then we're going uh, this is not yeah this in the I, you know I shouldn't be in prison Christ is here the Messiah has come and I shouldn't be in jail that's not how it works right um, and uh, uh, but even in the Old Testament and and you know um, and when you look at eschatology in the Old Testament uh, you're you're looking at it I've heard this analogy used before you're looking at it um, like two mountains uh Christ coming, first coming and second coming. And from a distance, two mountains look very close to each other. But when you get to the first mountain, you can often see that the second mountain's way out there. Uh huh. So, yeah, so they, 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 they know there's a, they're told that there's going to be a process to, you know, and it's a process in which Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And if you thought and meditated on that passage very long, that there's going to be this process, and that Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened, and it's eventually going to end with killing the firstborn. Any wise person sitting and meditating on that passage would go, Pharaoh's not going to take this sitting down, right? There's going to be a reaction, and what will that reaction look like? Um, now they could have could have had that. And it could have just been what we call an over, over-realized eschatology, like Pharaoh's going to have all these terrible reactions, and not one of them is going to stick. Um, but that's just not how God has worked in history. Um, uh, his people suffer for his name uh, such that he gets the glory. Um, and, and and the reason then, you know, in, in Moses' response, I mean God's response to Moses uh, here's all the things that I'm going to do. What we're setting up again here is a battle between Pharaoh and God, not Pharaoh and Moses. Had Moses gone in and said, you know, let my people go, and 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 Pharaoh had let the people go, it would have been Moses. Moses' words would have been successful. But as it was, Moses was useless, in a sense. And it wasn't until God intervened with the plagues that that the Israelites would be uh, let go. It was going to be clearly a battle between Pharaoh and God by the end. It wasn't going... There wasn't going to be left any room for whether uh, Moses just was a better slave organizer than the previous one. Uh, It was going to be uh, God and God alone that would get the glory uh, for the defeat of Pharaoh. Um, And so uh, it, it... Exodus five is according to God's plan, not according uh, to Moses' plan or our plan uh, and god's plan isn't always the way we really want it to play out so, um, oh, so kind of going back to the hardening thing, isn't it fascinating that, as I mentioned earlier, had they gone had Moses and Aaron gone in with using the demeanor and the language of that God had given them that Pharaoh might have been more willing to grant the request but they went in with their guns blazing as it were causing Pharaoh to kind of lock down and, uh, and, and say you know I, I'm God here I'm not, I don't have to obey your Yahweh And so his heart was hardened by the way Moses and Aaron approached it. And so here you have have God saying that I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Here's a soft message to give to, to Pharaoh. And Aaron and Moses go in and give the hard message instead, which leads to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So God had known exactly... He used Moses' sin to his own ends. I don't know what it would have looked like had Moses done it the right way, but he used Moses' sin to harden Pharaoh's heart just like he had planned to all along. So even though Moses did it the wrong way, it did not knock God's plan off track. Uh, And so uh, I think we can take that as a comfort in our own lives. When we do it the wrong way, it does not knock God's plan off track either.